from the land of adventure and diversity. These are the stories of extraordinary Africans, only on Faces of Africa. The East African coastline, bordering the so-called Indian Ocean, is a treasure trove of history. We are taught a European history. They want to, to deny the history of Africa. This ocean of ours has given us a lot of information. And the seabed and the bowels of this ocean of ours is full of heritage, which is very much yet to be discovered, which is very much alive. They say, home sweet home. You shouldn't forget where you come from. I'm very happy or I'm very proud with my ancestors. If it was not for them, there wouldn't be us. Caesar Beta is a fully certified marine archaeologist. As part of his routine, he dives to inspect the status of shipwrecks that have been discovered but are still waiting for archaeological work to be conducted on them. His aim is also to see the condition of those already excavated. It's a British pre-colonial period shipwreck which sank here in the last 100, 100 years as it was maneuvering into the, into the harbor, which was the, by then the only port. The Sussex was a British India line merchant ship delivering coal to Mombasa in 1909. As she approached the Mombasa port, its captain decided to bring the ship to harbor without the help of local pilots. Unaware of the changing currents, the captain wasn't able to steer the ship and it drifted towards a reef and ran aground close to the shore. Many ships that have wrecked in this area at the mouth of the creek is as a result of uh, uh, beaching. Beaching is when a, when a ship rides over very shallow waters. So it is sits, it's no longer, it's not floating. So it just sits on the seabed. By then, navigation was not that advanced. So, captains would come and they would not know about the, the landscape, the seabed, the bathymetrics of this area. So, most likely, they, they miscalculate, they misjudge the depth. Normally, these are the dynamics that cause most of the shipping, most of the ship uh, catastrophes those days. Yeah. After this first inspection, Caesar heads back to his Mombasa base. Mombasa is a coastal city in southeastern Kenya along the Indian Ocean. It is said to be the oldest settlement along the East African coast. Omar Buana is a retired historian, politician and museologist who lives in Lamu. 
the first recorded uh, history like this Peripherus uh, of Eritrea is, is a trade book showing about East Africa and is well uh, documented. The Periplus of the Erythrian Sea was a Greco-Roman navigation logbook written by an unknown author around 40 to 50 AD. It was a sailor's handbook that detailed ancient sea routes along the Persian Gulf, Asia, the Horn of Africa and the Red Sea and was used by seafarers before the era of maps. The ocean is the link of the people. It linked this part of the world, or Kenya, to the other part of the world, so it's, it plays a role. Many people don't know, but our place is documented and we have so many, and the live evidence we have are these historical sites, like the Shanga, which goes back to the 8th century. The history of this part of the world goes back to over a thousand years. Over a thousand years. Omar Buana was responsible for setting up the Lamu Museum and was once the chief curator at the 14th century Fort Jesus, the place that is Caesar Beta's official working place. The Fort Jesus was a very important military installation from the time it was built by the Portuguese. Caesar is one of the curators here. In the 16th century, they were expelled by the, uh, by the Arabs the Oman Arabs, so they kicked them out. They occupied it for some time until now the, the British took over the, the, the coastal strip of, 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 the, of the Eastern African coast. The museum has an illustrative display of how underwater excavations are conducted. This now represents a shipwreck site. This is an illustration of how divers will go down and excavate. The long pipe there is a, is a suction. That one removes the mud. So the small one brings in water into the big pipe. It creates some vacuum in the big pipe. So the big pipe now will be able to suck from this end, push the material through the bigger pipe now to them. And then you can lift the small objects, put them in a, in a bag and take them up. You can do measurements, you can do you know, photography, all this. So this is basically a museum of underwater archaeology. My background in training in um, cultural heritage began at uh, postgraduate diploma level after my first degree. And my first degree is on anthropology at the University of Nairobi. So when I joined the museum, then I did a postgraduate diploma in management of heritage and museum collections. And I did a lot of uh, archaeological research and participated in a number of archaeological fieldworks on land. When I came into the museum, we, I found already there was a, an expedition to excavate a shipwreck in Mombasa. So I fancied these materials which came from underwater. You know, you could see that the wood see the cannons, you can see the piece of clay pottery, the porcelain from different countries. And I was imagining then, if this is what we find on land, then how are these things preserved underwater? Then I always wanted to see like, how possible is it that I can at one time be there to see how these things are preserved? Because when we dig on land, 
you always have the stratification. Got, the land is compacted. But on, la on underwater, then there is water. Then how are these things preserved? So there was that question in me. So I also wanted to like, go into the sea and see how these things are done. Omar Buana is retired, but for years, through self-learning, he studied East Africa's coastal history. I to travel to, like a place to give my... How I became uh, associated with Lamu Museum, I was just a volunteer for the, from 1969. Many Kenyans don't know their history, and they show very little interest of their history. And I think uh, being lucky to be associated with the historian of the museum at that time. It was a very good opportunity for me to be able for, my, for myself to learn our past and also to be able to share our knowledge, our history, our culture with other, with Kenyans and in particular the local community. And it's very rare to have such collection because some of them are not out of print. Like this one is just to do with Lamu talk about its history and its architecture. Yeah. Uh, then we have also uh, like, uh, let me show you. Okay, the bodies of Kidindini, history of your Swahili. Yeah. 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 So it clearly keeps me busy and even my people, when a visitor who comes here, I'm proud to show them, to read them and they get they're much shocked to see a collection here yeah. in a very remote uh, place in Chundwa <laughs> because we're very far from uh, big cities. Yeah. Uh, there was a big cultural exchange between the local people, I would say the local people, the Swahili and the outsiders. And see the trade which we had with outside worlds as far east up to China because the first Chinese who came, well, came here in 1417 and they went up to Malindi and they had a good uh, diplomatic uh, relation with the Sultan of Malindi and even the exchange present. I remember what is documented that the Sultan of Malindi gave a present of a giraffe to be taken to China. Modern day Malindi is a thriving town with a cosmopolitan population. For his second inspection, Caesar has traveled to Melindi to survey an ancient merchant ship that sank in the area. He is joined by Salim Kasim and Lorenzo Di Ponti, part of the four-man crew that will be diving alongside him at the site. Between the 14th and 16th centuries, the Portuguese controlled much of the West Indian Ocean trade. Vangomeni shipwreck is located along the shallow waters of Rasngomeni, near Malindi town. It is a Portuguese ship which sank around the 16th century and it is believed to have been headed for the Ngomeni port. Yes, I'm very excited. I wait for him to get ready and going. Now it's our fun now. <laughs> it's my first time to go down with this guy. I have more 10,000 dives experience. He's, uh, he's a veteran in... Uh, so it's a long, long time. So 
We are talking about a Portuguese uh, caravel, which was sunk here some, uh, maybe 600 years ago. So the objective is to go there and see in uh, what condition is the site. All right. Okay. Okay. Diving underwater is very dangerous and a strict code of operation must always be followed. Diving is a risk. Most of the people, they say the sharks. Okay, I'm not afraid about the sharks. But there's a something like a stonefish. Very bad poison. When you're diving in the deep water, when I'm 30 meters, I'm supposed to stay there seven minutes. But for me, maybe I stay 15 minutes. In these 15 minutes, when I'm coming up, I have to do stop diving. From bottom, I have to come 10 meters, I have to stop for two minutes. After that, I have to go another 10 meters, that is 20 meters, to stop two minutes, and then I'll be able to get out of the water. But if you start from the bottom, just to shoot up, this is how it costs you a lot of bubbles in your, in your body. Because I'm in, the, uh, I'm in the water, I'm diving, I'm breathing, ox uh, I'm breathing oxygen, I take it out, carbon dioxide, but at the same time, I'm adding nitrogen in my body. So the, nitro the nitrogen, when it's getting a lot in my body, it's bring me problem. Can cost me death, can cost me to paralyze, okay? So how do you remove this by stoop diving? The visibility is, uh, is not bad, but uh, as you go down below, just at the bottom, this serious movement of the sedimentation, so it slightly starts to blur the visibility. But the site is well protected, the site is well, well, uh, well preserved. There isn't much disturbance, despite the fact that, of course, with the, with the currents, there will be movement of sand a little bit, but uh, what we put there when we did the uh, we finished our, our excavation, it's still there. So not, there's nothing exposed of the ship that we can say it's been disturbed or people have been trying to, to get into the ship. So it's well preserved. The divers are able to find several ancient artifacts from the shipwreck site. This could be a jug. You know, a huge one, could even up to maybe even a meter. Or it could be a pot. You can even see the thickness. It's very thick. Artifacts recovered from the ocean are dated using the carbon dating method, which is a technique for determining the age of an object using the properties of radiocarbon, a radioactive isotope of carbon. Caesar's numerous dives have yielded several artifacts. 
Each of these artifacts gives an insight in the region's forgotten history. This is a, a musket. The very ancient and early types of guns that were developed. We collected this in one of the shipwreck sites. And these guns were very popular with the, with the Arabs and also with the Portuguese in the 15th, 16th, 18th century. There was a big cultural exchange between the, the Swahili and the outsiders. And the, because there was a threat, like ivory, there was one spices, Chinaware and things like that. Those were the threats. But beside that, there was also exchange of material culture, exchange of type of food, you know. And even the Far East borrowed from us. Of course, we are maritime people. If you go to India, huh, there is a, a, a African community there. They've gone there with their, with their tradition, their drum. You go to Oman, you find there's a group of Af people from Africa with their own tradition, with the drum and everything. So it's a, it's, a, it's a very rich culture. At the height of the Ming Dynasty, the Chinese had the largest and most sophisticated ships of the time. During Zhang Ha's exploration, the Chinese were spreading the goodwill of the empire through porcelain trade and silk in exchange for ivory, gold and spices. On Zhang Ha's last voyage to the coast of East Africa, one of the ships from his fleet sank off the coast of Lamu. The survivors were able to swim ashore and settled on the islands of Pate and Siu, where they intermarried with the locals and were integrated into the community. From the early 2000s, the Chinese government had been curious to trace the living descendants from the Zhang Ha sunk ship. Caesar was already working on this project and recruited to work alongside the Chinese team. He was sent to China for further training as an underwater diver. So when I came back then I was certified archaeologist in underwater. So we went to Lamu and we began investigations into the families of the descendants of the Chinese. And from that our investigation we, we were able to have some DNA of the family. We were able to trace and get the families of the Chinese descendants who are living in Lamu. And from that then one of the members of the family was also given a scholarship by the Chinese government to go and study in China. A lady, Mamaka from, from Lam. Well, in the beginning, actually, the Chinese didn't just come to me or to our family. The Chinese came all over Pate Island to find their people, like who, the, who, like who stayed here after the, the, the shipwreck. So and then later my mom now started telling the story on how they came here and all this so they understood that this could be the people. So one time now they came and they took my my mom's hair and then another time others came and took my late grandma's hairs and then they went disappeared for years and then they came back they said most likely you are the descendants of the Chinese. Unfortunately, they did not give us a report, like, you know, written report or anything. It's just by mouth or by words. After his second inspection in Malindi, Caesar has arrived in Lamu, 
for his third and final shipwreck inspection. This is the first ever meeting between Caesar and Mwamaka. How are you? I'm fine. It's you? <laughs> yes, it's me. Lamu is one of the oldest city-states along the coastal strip of East Africa. Today, Lamu, like Malindi, is a thriving fishing and tourist town. Donkeys are the preferred mode of transport and the diving tanks are being ferried in typical Lamu style. Because of the many preparations that had to be done, they leave for Pate Island late in the evening. A small boat that will be used for the dive is tagged onto the main boat. Normally, the ocean tends to be a little bit rough in the evenings, but today the ride is rather smooth, until it's not. Before heading to survey the Jangha site, Caesar makes a courtesy call on Omar Buana. As the pioneer museologist in the region, Caesar wants to debrief him on the status of underwater archaeology in the region. I was a coordinator of the whole project mm -hmm. when I was head of Coastal Museum and Monuments. That was in the 80s? Yeah, no, in the 70s. 70s. Yeah. I was a coordinator and I was a coordinator and I was a coordinator and I was a It was very successful. Very. But I think from that time, your expedition in Pekeake gave Kenya a very big standing mm. oh, yeah, yeah. Thereafter, you, you did the, the gazettement of that Santa Antonio. That Santa Antonio, to be a national monument. Yeah. And Kenya and, was the first country yeah, to, like, underwater. to do that yeah. in Africa, yeah. in you know, yeah. Sub-Saharan Africa. Yeah, right. That was great. Yeah, right. I'm appealing to you now. Kwamba, we need someone to come and do a proper research, whether for PhD or for master, and see. The wreck is right here. We can access the site from there. The problem is now the entrance into part itself. And even at low tides, even the small boat is a challenge to go in. The Jangha shipwreck inspection is one of the toughest since it is located in the open sea. Because of this, Caesar and his team must plan well for the dive to be a success. Mwamaka has joined Caesar and his team of divers on the survey excursion at the Jangha shipwreck site. This is her second time to visit the site, which is located just off the island of Pate, her hometown. 
area is normally very turbulent. And navigation from ancient times, unless you know the bathymetrics here, you are likely to wreck. Because you can see we have a reef, we have the rocks, outcrops, which tend to inconvenience sailors when they are coming in. So at high tides, you will not be able to see this reef. So definitely you'll have to wreck. So there's a lot of shipwrecks here. And um, one of the interesting shipwreck sites is the Zenghao shipwreck, which is lying exactly where we are right now. Meeting these people to me, it was a great pleasure and I'm very honored to meet them because, you know, something, sometimes there are a lot of stories that you read from the book which are not original, not authentic and not true. But at least meeting these people or witnessing these things in person, it's different than you reading in the newspaper or reading from the internet or watching TV and seeing this drama that are made that is not real. So being, me being part of this crew, of this group, it's a very significant thing to me. The diving team takes the plunge into the ocean, but immediately Caesar is having a problem sinking. Moments later, Salim is quickly out of the water and wants the others to abandon the dive. It is clear things are not right today. Immediately, they try to signal the other divers to surface by revving the engine of the motorboat. One by one, the divers start to surface. Even though this dive was not successful, Caesar's quest for underwater archaeology continues. Perhaps on his return inspection tour, the ocean will be clear for all to explore the wreckage site again. Through Caesar's contribution to marine archaeology, the history and cultures that lay hidden under the depths of the ocean will continue to be revealed, one dive at a time. This history and culture may be useful in shaping the lives of people living along this vast East African coastal region.